0: This is the third and final episode in the series all about inspiration. Here, I will share with you my thoughts on the topic of inspiration, marrying my experiences with others' research. I believe that connecting to inspiration more often and more easily, in other words, controlling the uncontrollable, can be achieved to a certain extent through a set of tools, This episode will include a framework I felt inspired to create all about how to help attract inspiration when you need it most. During our live class, students kindly embraced my eccentricity, workshopping the framework in which you'll hear about soon. Welcome back to class. Inspiration is a mysterious, elusive, and perhaps even divine interconnectedness between everyone and everything. Communication, both through talking and listening, is a gateway for inspiration. When we explain concepts to others, it can help to clarify our own ideas and facilitate connections in our own minds as well as in the minds of others. Working in an interdisciplinary team requires coming up with new ideas all the time and supporting the creative process of one another, part of which is encouraging inspiration. Innovation happens when curiosity meets inspiration meets grit. Ultimately, inspiration is an important step in the process of innovating. But first, let's talk about a common misconception when it comes to inspiration, the light bulb aha moment. A flash of insight, a lightning strike of brilliance, that one moment that defines or redefines a person, place, or thing. It arrives in an instant, and often we have no idea the source. While it may feel like it happens all of a sudden in the moment, inspired ideas don't really happen like that. They often take much longer to incubate and then materialize, and there are invisible idea sources that build and finally connect to make the light bulb turn on. We often fail to recognize the system behind the moment of inspiration and all of the hard work and people and places that have gone into that aha moment, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Please close your eyes. Visualize a light bulb inside of a lamp that is plugged into a wall. With the flick of a switch, the light turns on. The light bulb moment, if you will. But what we can't see is the wiring behind the wall, the interconnected series of networks that join the outlet and the switch. Furthermore, we often don't recognize that the system goes far beyond what's inside the walls, traveling outside to an entire network of grids that power our homes, feeding the wires, and ultimately allowing the light bulb to illuminate in a way that seems like magic. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Much like our light bulb example, I believe that there are invisible forces that help see our inspired ideas through to cognition. Here's the way I like to think about the backbone of the Inspiration Network, made up of three parts. Part number one Nodes of Knowledge. Imagine a series of dots on a page. The dots are spread out in no particular pattern or order. These nodes of knowledge represent the diverse range of experiences, spaces, people, topics that you've come to learn about and experience. We're collecting unique nodes of knowledge all the time, and the more we can remain open to new ideas and new ways of thinking, we can keep all of these nodes active and in play. In his book, Range, Why Generalists Trump in a Specialized World, author David Epstein explains, breadth of training predicts breadth of transfer. That is, the more contexts in which something is learned, the more the learner creates abstract models, and the less they rely on any particular example. Learners become better at applying their knowledge to a situation they've never seen before, which is the essence of creativity. So varied experiences, varied opportunities, and varied skill sets can cross-pollinate in new and unexpected ways. For me personally, I used to see my jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none self at a disadvantage to other, more specialized humans walking alongside me. I now know and appreciate the way that my breadth of knowledge has served me and continues to fuel my creativity. With many nodes of knowledge, there starts to become... Number two. Intersections of Inspiration. Imagine that some of these dots now have lines connecting them to one another. Ideas begin to form when we can remix and reorganize existing ideas, experiences, and patterns of knowledge. Steve Jobs once said this. Creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they do something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. Unfortunately, that's too rare a commodity. A lot of people haven't had very diverse experiences, so they don't have enough dots to connect and they end up with very linear solutions. In her book, Do Nothing, How to Break Away from Overworking, Overdoing, and Underliving, author and journalist Celeste Headley describes the default mode network— as a place in our brains that allow us to connect seemingly disparate thoughts and ideas activated in moments when we're not asking our brains to do a specific task. In other words, moments of downtime, rest, boredom. The default mode network is, quote, the part of the brain that sorts through all of the new information we've received recently and tries to put it into context with what we already know. The default network is integral to learning, insight, imagination. If our minds never come to rest, there's never an opportunity to wander in new directions. In my experience, the default mode network is particularly engaged when our bodies are in motion but our brains aren't. This is why many great moments have been reported while walking and driving and showering or working with our hands. I have found this to be immensely true for myself that when I'm moving, but my brain doesn't have to think too hard, intersections of inspiration are aplenty. In fact, if I'm ever stuck on a problem or have some sort of creative block, I simply stop what I'm doing and go for a walk. The dog gets stimulation, and so do I. It's only after a few minutes into a walk before an intersection of inspiration makes itself known to me. Shout out to the default mode network. Finally, when nodes of knowledge supply... Anchor and connect our intersections of inspiration. Over time, these turn into... Number three, webs of wisdom. One novel idea begets another novel idea, building and intersecting and building and intersecting. Webs of wisdom, true innovation, begin to form through experience and insights over time. To establish an analogy within an analogy, bear with me, Your imagination is like a bank. Investing ideas through experiences, formal and informal learning opportunities, and communicating with others will be the most fruitful if you start early and invest often consistently over time, interest compounding along the way. Your ideas start to build on each other, often unconsciously, working in the background for you. Invest a little time and energy and curiosity, and if you do that often enough and for long enough, you'll end up with a fortune. Now to illustrate the weaving, non-linear, exciting ride that inspiration can take us on, connecting nodes of knowledge into intersections of inspiration, here's a glimpse into my head. Specifically, here's the ideation and inspiration process that I traveled through to arrive at the information contained in this class and in this podcast. To get my brain primed for this topic, I googled creative inspiration and I found a TEDx talk called The Art of Creative Inspiration by Victor Shamas that was one of the recommended viewings for students to prepare for the week's class. Within the first few seconds, he talked about the idea of the creative process and getting into a state of creativity. This immediately made me think of the concept of flow, popularized by Hungarian-American psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. I thought about it for a while longer, and I remember the creativity framework that we explore later in this course about divergent, emergent, and convergent ideas. Then... I connected this framework (laughs) to another framework that I have been refining. This nodes of knowledge, intersections of inspiration, webs of wisdom, that was remixed from various other sources in my learning. So this got me to thinking about how the concepts of flow and creativity frameworks I discussed above are layered underneath our experiences of inspiration. As momentum picked up speed, I had more questions than I had answers, and this, this, is how I knew I was onto something. And I never will be able to find all of these answers, as for every answer, I'll probably have five more questions. But that's what keeps me interested and engaged and ultimately helps fuel my curiosity, resulting in inspiration. All of this was activated by the default mode network that came to me as I was driving. Needless to say, I pulled over, I used my phone's dictation abilities to get down into words as fast as I could, and here we are. Inspiration about inspiration inspired by a variety of inspired moments. Oof! But also, I love it. (laughs) And finally, we come to my framework. This is what I like to call the ACE framework. I believe that connecting to inspiration more often and more easily can be achieved through a set of tools. This framework I created to help attract inspiration when I need it most. Creativity and entering into a space that fuels said creativity is a muscle to be flexed and strengthened versus innate know-how that we're born with. It's nurture versus nature. So while I'm not suggesting we as humans are in total control of this mysterious thing called inspiration, I am suggesting that there are ways that we can align ourselves with it to hopefully entice it to come and play with us. In her incredible book about brave creative living, entitled Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear, author Elizabeth Gilbert presents her thoughts on where ideas come from. She firmly believes, and I tend to agree with her, that ideas are an energetic life force in and of themselves and are only willing to engage with us if we're open to engaging with them right back. She says this. I believe that inspiration will always try its best to work with you. But if you are not ready or available, it may indeed choose to leave you and search for a different human collaborator. Don't fret about the irrationality and unpredictability of all this strangeness. Give into it. Such is the bizarre, unearthly contract of creative living. There is no theft. There is no ownership. There is no tragedy. There is no problem. There is no time or space where inspiration comes from, and also competition, no ego, no limitations. There is only the stubbornness of the idea itself, refusing to stop searching until it finds an equally stubborn collaborator. Stubbornly latched on to this idea of being inspired by inspiration, I've developed a series of jumping off points for inspiration to come and play. My framework is all about acing it, which should not be confused with achieving an A grade or doing something perfectly. Instead, it's about welcoming inspiration to the sandbox through embrace, pace, place, space, interface, and chase. Working through this framework with a friend, family member, or colleague may prove to reap additional rewards, especially in the latter part of the process. These six ACE tools can all be used together, or they can be used independently from one another. Let's dive in. Embrace. Embracing means to accept or support willingly or enthusiastically. It's a matter of being open to new ideas and anything inspiration throws your way. Something that I love and borrow often is from the world of improvisational theater. So the idea of yes, ending an idea, being open to new ideas and then building upon them is a way to invite inspiration into the process. Oftentimes, this means putting our egos aside, and this is exactly what I asked the class to do. Specifically, I asked students to participate in two improv-inspired exercises. The first was a metaphorical taking off of an ego coat. Our egos and fear of looking silly in front of others can keep us from experiencing the world in a way that invites inspiration to play. So... I asked students to remove their ego coat, miming, shedding a layer of clothing in order to be open to what inspiration has to give us. Secondly, we played a round of yes, let's. This call and answer style game requires trust in the caller and setting aside one's ego, quieting one's inner critic is required really of the entire group. So for example, the caller might say, let's fly a kite and everyone in unison will enthusiastically respond with, yes, let's, and then everyone will mime that action. Having intentionally removed one's ego coat before this exercise really helped to relieve the pressure of having to maintain a certain level of professionalism. We're all giving each other permission to give in to the weirdness and wonder accessible when we're open to embracing the process. Next comes pace. And pace is all about adjusting your normal speed of work, play, and really just moving through the day. So, for most of us, that means slowing down. This is easier said than done. Trust me, I know. (laughs) This could even mean simply moving our head a little bit more slowly when we're directing our attention from one place to another. In order to really emphasize the opposing speeds of fast and slow... Dr. Victor Shamas, whose TEDx talk I mentioned earlier, suggests emptying our thoughts through play. And play can mean anything that will activate the default mode network, such as walking or dancing, for example. And then he suggests filling back up through open stillness. He likes to lie on his back with his palms facing up in what he calls repose position for seven minutes, In our class, I asked students to play a quick game of send a sound, which is a fast paced game played with a large group in a circle, and then we sat in stillness for two minutes. Next, we have place. And place is all about changing the physical location you currently exist in. This could be size, going from large to small or small to large. This could be contained versus open air. If you spend a lot of time indoors, go outside. If you spent a lot of time outside, come on back indoors. It could also mean places that contain objects and or people who are simply different from your routine. If you are a digital media professional and you spend all of your time with UX, UI designers and strategists and people of that world in front of a computer, go to an art gallery. Go for a walk in nature. Do something where you will be in a place that is very different from your current routine. In our class, when we were workshopping place, I asked students to travel to a different floor of the building we were in. And the neat thing about the place where we study and we have this class is that the building is so varied from floor to floor to floor. Many students chose to go to a floor with lots of windows that overlooked the city because they were so used to being in a room that was centralized in the building and staring at a screen. Next, we have space. And space is a little bit different from place. The way I like to differentiate this is space has to do with how you physically exist in and or experience a place. So, if you are used to seeing everything at eye level, If you're able to get up high and see a bird's eye view, or you're able to get down on the floor and see the space from a worm's eye view or a child's perspective, this is a really great way to see a place differently. If you're often in the center of a room, try standing on the wall, or if you are often towards the wall, try going to the center. Heck, if you can do it, this also means seeing the world right side up versus upside down. Stand on your hands. Be careful, of course. But this is a great way to just experience the place differently and therefore hopefully come up with some novel insights. When we workshopped this in class and students were on different floors of the building, I asked them to be novel and be very intentional about the way in which they were experiencing a place using some of the techniques I just mentioned. Next comes interface. An interface is all about communicating with people who are different from you. I love talking with people who have similar interests to me or who think similarly to the way I think. But I also believe and have experienced that there is magic when you can talk to someone who thinks differently from yourself, who understands and knows and believes different things than you do. It's this cross-disciplinary interfacing of different ideas and different people that really help open up the gateway to inspiration. When we workshop this in class, I had students return from their novel places and spaces and come back into our regular classroom, discussing any moments of inspiration that may have happened along the way. I asked them to intentionally speak with others who they normally don't talk to in the class, building on each other's thoughts, ideas, and experiences. And finally, we have chase. Inspiration ebbs and flows. Just like everything else in life. So, when you've got it, hold on to that moment. Get into that state of flow and run with an idea. For myself and for my students in the class, I recommend writing down your thoughts in the moment when you have them. Even better, If you can write them down in a document or in a place where you know where they are or you can come back to them and build on them over time, that's when this compounding effect and the real intersections of inspiration, I believe, can take hold. There's all sorts of really great frameworks out there, one of which is called Building a Second Brain, all about using technology to house our thoughts and ideas and moments of inspiration so that they will be there and ready when we are ready to work on them. Whew. Okay. So there you have it. A new and potentially idea attracting portal through which to open up the communication lines between you and inspiration. Embrace, pace, place, space, interface, and chase. So what are you waiting for? Your next great idea? Good. Because it's waiting for you too.